0: Welcome to the Road to Growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor V. Hi, Realtor Growth listeners. Uh, Today, I have Elena Amijo. Did I say that right? You
1: did. You got it.
0: Perfect. Man, well, all the Spanish classes are really paying off for me. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, you were an ex-opera singer, uh, turn certified, professional certified coach. We have a coach on here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start getting the alarm every time I have a coach on here. I, I had a good amount of coaches. And one of the things I always ask all the coaches is what separates you from all the other coaches out there?
1: Oh, that's so good. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having so many coaches and supporting the coaching industry. Shout out to you helping us along. Um, And what separates me is my creative background. I mean, literally what you said. I was an opera singer who is now coaching in executive spaces, and like, who would have thought that would ever happen? <laughs> you know, did the big pivot? I
0: mean, the opera singer yeah. avenue and coach seem very different. I mean, I, when the I act? imagine a uh, opera singer, I'm thinking of a person up there, solo person up there, singing using their vocal cords to do it. Mm-hmm. Coach helping someone else, I guess, get to their peak performance. I mean, did you always have a plan to, to transition into that role as
1: a coach? No, not at all. It took me by surprise. (laughs) So, so you're right. I mean, I think where it started was, you know, I remember the moment that I was on stage uh, with Syracuse opera and I was singing uh, Stefano, which is a role in Romeo and Juliet. And I came off stage after taking a bow and I was like, okay, that was fun. It's another, another performance that I'd done in a series of like, I'd been on the road four years for 10 months out of the year straight, you know, so two two months at a time, I would go back to New York and repack a bag to go on the road. So this was my lifestyle for a long time. And after that performance, I I remember going home in the snow because it was Syracuse. And f- for a girl from New Mexico, you know, that, that snow is pretty intense. <laughs> and went to this artist's m- apartment, and I'd forgotten to get groceries, I think, before the performance. I'd missed my brother's birthday party again. And I think I was on, like, my third failed relationship at that point. So... Stuff wasn't working basically, you know, and I was unhappy. So I hired a coach myself to figure out what was going on because by all means, I had, you know, all the success that I'd wanted and worked my whole life for. And I was lonely and guilty about my success. So I worked on myself for a good six months and I came to find out that everything I'd created as an entrepreneur at that point, right? Because, you know, as a singer, you are a small business that you've been working your whole life to build. Um, and I realized that I'd done it from a point of proving my worth and my value in the world, which came from childhood. You know, my parents were, were both um, lovely, amazing people. And I would say they're both workaholics <laughs> in some ways. You know, they, they didn't intend to teach me that. But I think as my kid brain walked away making it mean that I needed to work, you know, 60 hours a week or plus to be safe, loved, and s- successful. You know, so that's what I did. And I never intended music to be a business. I always loved music from a passion. You know, I think I, I my degree is in education, so I always intended to be like a music school teacher. And I just kept saying yes to the money and to the opportunities, which on one hand, you know, is a really good thing because it led me to where I am today, uh, saying yes to opportunities. But I also got to really take some time to figure out what I wanted to do. So... When I worked with my coach, uh, I fell in love with coaching and coaching had never been on my radar. I don't think I even believed in it at the time. I thought it was a crock. And I realized that I'd never found something that I loved as much as I love music. Um, and these things were same plane. So I went to a program. I got certified. I built a business. And that was eight years ago. And here I am.
0: Let's let's jump back. Um, so you yeah. talked about that you had a coach and mm-hmm. then that coach kind of helped you self-realize was the coach, was it a, a, a scene coach for opera? Was it a life coach or okay, life coach?
1: Yeah, it was like a life coach slash business coach, but more life coach, I would say. Yeah. When
0: when you're building out your brand as an opera singer, was it gig to gig? Was it set routine or what was it? What did that look like financially?
1: Oh, it's very much gig to gig. So the way the opera world works is you or it did. I mean, it's changed now a little bit with COVID, right? But The way it worked is you would do like 40 auditions at the beginning of your year for the following year. So you would, so everything is set up a year in advance and it's very much contract to contract. So um, for every 40 gigs I did, I think I won maybe 10 to 12 contracts. Hmm. So you knew ahead of time what your year was going to look like, which also meant you knew how much money you were going to make, which was, you know, in the opera world, I I was doing okay. You know, I was basically made, making ends meet. I wouldn't say that I was doing fantastic, right? And and I could see what I needed to do to be fantastic and financially. And I don't think I was really willing to go there, you know, with what it was going to require. So what's it going to require? Um, I think it was going to require that lifestyle a lot, and I'm I was going to need to totally redefine how I related to it, which I didn't know at the time right? So if I had it to do over again now, I might have created it completely differently. And I think, you know, some days I think about going back and redoing it with all the mindset work that I have now. Um, It would probably look a lot different and I'd empower it differently. Um, But it definitely was going to require being on the road all the time, still missing out on some things because when you have a contract, you have a contract. If you don't sing, you don't get paid.
0: Well, well, let's, I mean, let's go back to the idea, I guess, talking about mindset, right? So How would have your mindset, the way you look at things now compared to you looking at things then, changed the perception of being on the road all the time, not being around, I guess, family? How how would that have changed?
1: I think what would have changed uh, to start with is I wouldn't say yes to things that I didn't want, right? So I was saying yes to a lot of things that I didn't necessarily believe in or agree with. So I would have cut that out right away. And I would have only chosen to work with people that I really respected or admired. Instead of again, that scarcity mentality of I got to just take everything that I can. So, those two things would change immediately. And I probably would make some agreements with myself. Like, I wouldn't take a contract unless it was over a certain dollar amount, or I would only take a certain amount of contracts per year and be a demand that I actually take rest and travel breaks. And, you know, if there were two or three things that are really important in my year, like, a wedding to go to or or something of that nature those would be non-negotiable for me anymore you know whereas before it was sort of that hungry mindset where it was like nah, i can't do that because that won't lead me to my career
0: and then so you're going through this path trying to get what you can get and and grow your brand yep. and when did the idea of getting a coach come along
1: when i was broken down and lonely so i would describe that you know in the executive world or the corporate world we call that burnout i was burnt out like I was at my max capacity because I wasn't taking care of myself. And again, I was living, you know, from a scarcity mentality.
0: And then how did you come across that coach you decided to work with?
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. I went for a facial one day in New York because I was at my wits end and I literally was like, I think I need some sort of self-care, which was not, you know, common for me to do that. So I, I think I was so broken down that I just needed some sort of like physical touch So I went for a facial and this woman who was giving me a facial said, I know the perfect person that you should work with. And I thought, well, that seems weird, but I could at least, you know, trust the universe and that this, we are here together having this conversation for that reason. So I took her up on on her offer to contact the person and ended up working with them for about six months.
0: And then we're working with that person. Did you go to another person before You actually started your path to coaching or was that the person that like?
1: I think I stopped. I stopped with her for a while. And then a good friend of mine, another opera singer who we've been exchanging all this information because she was making such a difference in my life. You know, my friend worked with her as well. And then my friend joined a coach training program. So she told me about the coach training program that I joined. And she was like, listen, this has changed my life. You've got to do this. And I sort of was still very skeptical again, like, "Eh, I don't know doesn't seem like a thing I need to do. But I watched her through that year transform her whole world through working that intensively in the coach training program. And so after that year, I thought, well, you know, I've spent all this time and money on a career for 22 plus years. Why don't I try this and see, like, what's this one more thing, you know, to try um, if I've already done all this other stuff? And that was the year that I that I pivoted
0: with. So, working with that coach for six months and then separating, why what happened with that separation? Not going forward? What stopped there? What happened there?
1: Yeah, I don't think there's anything bad that happened. I think that you know with coaching as an industry, the thing to remember is coaching isn't ever meant to be something that you do long term. You know, I think some of us can stay with our therapists for many, many years and come and go. And coaching is sort of like project based. So you come in and you do the work that you have scheduled to do with your coach and then you might complete for a while and maybe you come back when there's another project. You know, so I feel like in that six months that I worked with my coach then, I had done the work I came to do, which was like figure out why my life was falling apart, <laughs> figure out why I held so much guilt and loneliness on the road and also some healing, some actual healing work from the burnout. And it took about six months, but I was feeling like I was in a much better place um, after that. so so we completed naturally, I would say.
0: And then when you completed there, you're still uh, in the opera world, correct? Yep.
1: I was still in the opera world, but I was very certain that I needed to uh, find something else for myself because I was certain I didn't want to go back to the way I was doing it. We'd cleared all that out, right? Yep. And so this program came up and I thought, okay, I just did amazing work for six months with a coach. What if I can do really amazing work with an in depth coaching program for a year? You know, I think that was really the hook that got me in. Not, I wanted to be a coach. Cause even when I did the coach training program, I was there like, I'm here to fix myself. I have no interest in being a coach. You know, I didn't really fall in love with coaching until like month four of the year long coach training program. So um, I definitely joined to continue doing that work just at a deeper level.
0: Do you remember what happened in uh, month four that made you fall in love with coaching?
1: Yes. I remember the moment. It was realizing that coaching, um, I just, I loved being in a room full of people that wanted to be in transformative conversations. Like I loved being in a room full of people that were committed to change and growth and excellence. Um, We're also committed to unpacking stories and limiting beliefs for themselves And then going out and doing that in the world. Like, I didn't even really know that was possible. And even when I started, I thought, I don't think you can make a career out of this. And here I am, you know, with a six-figure business getting ready to launch an agency and, you know, we'll we'll probably grow some million in revenue in the next year and a half, right? So having this be a business was completely off my radar, but I loved, I loved the impact. I loved the partnership with people. Um, And that's, I think that's
0: what I fell in love with first. So you, you fall in love with it, you find that partnership. Now it's about building your your kind of own brand. I know you already built a brand with your opera singing, yet yeah. this is a little bit different, I would say.
1: Totally different, right? Imagine that pivot as you're building.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so what did that look like with the the company? Did they kind of walk you through of how to build your brand, how to kind of grow it? or?
1: Yeah, they help a lot with that. I mean, the coach training program I joined, luckily, they are very good about building blocks along the way as you're going through it. But I really, um, I think the work that I had to do personally was tie what are my strengths as a coach and as a singer that are parallel, you know, and what can I bring to both worlds? And so that's really where I started with my brand.
0: And so you started that. What what did you come to, to realize that you could bring I mean, from that?
1: Well, it's funny. I realized pretty quickly when I got in front of um, executives or people, you know, and I pretty much started out in finance before I branched into like tech or startups or um, government work. And so I remember being in a room full of, um, they were kind of like senior managing directors, you know, in a financial firm that, For the first time. And I remember thinking, oh, I get it. I get why I have power here because I am coming from a world that structurally is built the same way as the corporate world. You know, there's hierarchy, there's leadership, there's team culture, there's everything in the opera world that is the same in the corporate world. The only difference is there's no creative mindset happening in that the corporate world, at least to my, what I was seeing, right? So I was the person that could come in and bring the creative side of my brain to rooms that they'd forgotten that that exists in them as humans. And I was bold because I didn't have anything to lose, right? Like I wasn't attached to the financial sector. I wasn't attached to private equity. Like, you know, to me, it was actually a strength in my, my job to not know much about your business because then I'm I'm actually looking at the things that are your blind spots because I'm not in the weeds with you on your business. Right.
0: Well, how would you get those uh, initial opportunities? I mean, if I mean, I've I, again, I've had a variety of coaches on here. And yeah. one of the common common themes I get is when someone's saying, well, how do you hire a coach or who do you hire a coach? You go find someone that's been down the road that you want to go down. Right. And so I mean, yeah. and, 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 and yeah. you've looked at a similar road. Right, yet it's it's different.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know that I really agree with that mindset, okay. honestly. Um, and here's why: because just like I said, I think you bring more power as a coach if you know nothing about the business, kind of, because yeah. you can be objective and non biased, right? And our whole job as coaches is to listen for context and what stories people are saying without getting on the same side of the street with them. So, to your point. How did I build? Um, Well, it's not easy, right? I I do feel like our business is, um, you can build it with sales funnels and marketing techniques and all of that. That is one way. And the way that I chose to build it was from organic marketing. So literally it was getting those first five or 10 clients and then the work works. So from there, referrals start happening. And to this day, I say my business is built in referrals and relationship capital. That is the only way my business runs right now. You know, so um, I remember my first client coaching for a cup of coffee coffee for $5, you know, saying like, buy me a cup of coffee and I'll coach you, (laughs) you know. So I did start, you know, a little scrappy and eventually worked my way into those rooms. I I definitely didn't start with my first client, you know, in a C-suite room. But I think that to me, I trusted that the coaching, the actual coaching works in any room.
0: How how so over time you started with a cup of coffee for the coaching five minutes coaching, right and assumption assumption over time you your your cost is a lot more than a cup of coffee now right (laughs)
1: yes yes
0: as you're growing as a coach um, how do you start understanding and realigning your your pricing to fit your clientele fit the the value that you bring how how did you adapt to that.
1: Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple ways. I mean, when I'm working, so I train coaches too. So I stayed with that same company for, for about seven years and trained new coaches coming into the business. So this is a common conversation that I have with new coaches is, you know, how do you set your pricing and what do you do? Where I'm always going to point people back to is, look, we're teaching people or coaching people, not teaching, coaching, to live the life that you want on your terms. So that means you got to be practicing what you preach. So you got to start from a place of what do you need to be sourced and at the best of your ability to make your life work, to be able to show up for your business? So that's kind of where I start the conversation is from the drawing board. Like, what do I need to have my expenses paid? What do I need to have time off with? What do I need to create um, a home that feels like I can be in a room all day and coach people and be sourced, right? And we build from there. So that your, your rates are based on your life and what you want and not your value as a coach, because mm-hmm. the work doesn't change, right? The work is the work. And, and really my job as a coach is to let you do the work as a client. You're, you're the one actually doing the work and I'm there to support you and holding you accountable and reminding you when there's uh, blind spots or pivots in the road coming up to watch out for, but really the client is the one that does the work. So my business is set on not only what I need to be successful in the world and to keep showing up for you, but then also what do my people need to be sourced, right, as a team around me. So that's, that's sort of how I believe in building it.
0: So let me, let me correct, correct me if I'm wrong. You said it's not necessarily about what the value you bring, but the amount of money you need.
1: Yeah, to make your life and your business work, right? And then right. at a certain step, like, my- so just to be super transparent, yeah. I have different ways that I've built my business, right? I have yeah. top tier pricing, right? Which is the amount of clients that I'm gonna take at full rate that I'm in with you. I'm, you know, we have a certain amount of hours we meet. There might be some more direct support in what you're building in a long term project. Then I have a middle section of my business, which is more for like coaches that are training right. and coming up and need support. And then I have a pro bono section of my business, which is all about sliding scales and people that I believe in helping from a a value standpoint and an impact standpoint in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's how the model is actually built. But again, it's all built on my value system and what I want as a business owner.
0: So let's say we're talking to other coaches that are listening right now and they have, and I know you built your platform up and it it readjusted as you kind of grew and expanded. It's someone listening right now, right? let's say they only have X amount of clients, mm-hmm. right? But they the cost that they need to survive is this much right here. Mm-hmm. Is it, they can't, I mean, I mean, maybe they can charge more because they have less clients. And then as they get more clients, charge less or they keep them the same price because now the, the amount that they're looking to accomplish could be completed by more people. That make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. I think- okay. You know, I don't know that it's that linear. I mean, the first thing I'd say is are you undercharging? Most co- no. coaches are probably undercharging is what I would say. So let's let's talk about like what is the market rate, but also what are the stops for you as a coach in owning that there's a certain dollar point you need per hour. Remember your time is money. Mm-hmm. So what is your time worth to you? Which is a values-based conversation, right? It's not really a the coaching is worth this. It's what are you worth for yourself? And then, yeah, you're going to reach a level where eventually you can't charge $50,000 for an hour, right, for coaching, right? So you get to determine what your top rate is for you and what that means for your business Mm -hmm. and what does that look like. Um, And and I really think anybody can create it any way you want. I I wouldn't say go backwards ever. I would say build in stages to, again, what is your top rate going to be and why? That's Mm -hmm. the biggest question is why. And are you, are you making your top rate, you know, $1,000 an hour because you feel like that will keep you as an elite coach in the world? Or are you making your top rate $1,000 an hour because you're going to take 10 clients that you're doing magnificent work with in the world, building something that that client believes in, and it sources you to be there fully for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a difference there. Yeah. So I think it always goes back to the why.
0: Now, now, going back to to your why, I mean, helping people out, being in the same room of, of people. As you start expanding, building your business, when did you start bringing on other coaches? Because it, it sounds like other coaches, right? Are, are, yeah. So you're bringing on other coaches. How was that process? Now you're coaching a coach, right? So yeah. how did that process work out for you?
1: Yeah. So, well, so for about the last three years, what I was noticing is I'd had this conversation we just had with myself. And my rates had gotten pretty high. And I was like, okay, now we're at a capacity question, right? Like there's only a certain amount of hours in the week that I can coach physically one-to-one. And I'm going to tap out. My business model is going to stop there, right? So, and I've been full. I've had, you know, the top number of clients that I want and need has been full for three years. So now it's, you know, I think this is a conversation many successful coaches get in at this point is how do I scale or how do I expand? And that's when you have coaches that start thinking about, well, maybe I'll make an online course or maybe I will do a retreat, you know, that that exists in another country for a couple of weeks and get people to go. So they start thinking of ways to make more money that are outside of the one-to-one model. So I thought, okay, I don't, those things don't really resonate with me. So what would resonate with me? And what I, what I got to is I want an agency of really good coaches that not only are getting paid well, top dollar, so we're not doing models that are scaling models, but boutique model, that are still servicing clients at a very high level, but we all have a common value system and goal, which is having courageous conversations in rooms Uh, being part of DEIB in our training, you know, in any corporation. So really changing culture from the inside out. And the biggest thing that our company is going to stand for is um, people getting more support than they've ever had, right? So not only are we going to have a bench of coaches, we're also going to have a bench of practitioners that are, you know, like a, a sleep consultant or an herbalist or a nutritionist or a Reiki therapist So there's other modes of healing that we're going to be offering our clients a service to get, again, a higher level of support that would maybe change a culture in a company that has never even thought about bringing those services in, right? So for me, the model expanded when I thought about what I'm committed to in the world and what it would look like to create something to expand that.
0: Mm. Makes sense. Now, what has what have been kind of some of the struggles in, in building your brand and is it more so in finding the clientele, find, I mean, learning the process, building on coach underneath you, Was there any kind of struggles that you mostly <laughs> had to kind of work through?
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's not all roses for sure. Um, gosh, struggles. I think, um, well, as a high achiever and performer myself, right? Like uh, coming from, being a musician where, you know, opera singer is a lot like being an athlete where you have to perform at a level of excellence in the world, which requires discipline and structure. So one of the biggest struggles I've had as I've grown and become a founder now, not even just a coach, has been learning to allow and receive more support than I've ever received, right? So I'm used to doing everything by myself alone because number one, I can control it that way, right? (laughs) But number two, um, I, it, it hasn't been big enough to need anything else. And now we're getting into the conversations where I don't necessarily know if I want a board. I don't know if I'm going to need partners in the future, right? I don't know what, uh, pr- equity structures would look like or profit sharing will look like in this model in three years. So I'm getting to a place now where I'm actually going to have to allow people to come in and, Uh, be the gaps that I don't have because we don't always know everything, right? And nobody does. And I'm having to really trust that by letting go of more, we will create more as a team, which is basically what I preach. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's practicing all of that and it's hard, you know, it's not an easy thing to, to, to let your baby go and also know that if you fall, it'll be okay. Right? Like, and those are the things I'm practicing daily. And, um, so that's been, that's been one of my biggest struggles. I think the other struggle as a biracial woman, you know, has been leveling up, you know, I've now reached a level. And so is my partner, where neither one of our families has ever lived in the house I'm living in, you know, like the style I'm living in. And that's very confronting to be with is as you level up, what are the generational traumas or the limiting beliefs that i've had that even i've blown my own family's mind and myself where where it's now like okay can you again another layer of guilt to shed and remove right as you as you build and you step into things in the world even though you're giving back it's still something that you have to look at and tend to so those are probably the two biggest ones right now
0: how has your your family i mean when you left the opera singing did, was your family for it? Were they against it? I mean, when you transitioned to the coach against it for it, I mean, how have they been throughout your journey?
1: (laughs) Well, it's great. Cause so first of all, I come from a very, what shall I say? Traditional. I don't know if it's really traditional Latin. My father is Latin. My mother is white. And my, my father is very logistic, like logical. He's a very logical man. Right. So to him, like I can remember being, I don't know, 7 years old and he took me to the bank and was like, "Now we're going to open your first checking account mm-hmm. and you're going to learn to balance your checkbook," right? Which is all beautiful. Yeah. You know, he raised a very independent daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Much to his chagrin though, because the independent daughter quickly left the nest <laughs> and never came back to New Mexico to live, you know, and and I think that for him it was always like, "Is this a logical move? Is this a safe move for you?" So, being being an opera singer was like I don't, this is crazy. You should not be an opera singer. And then I went and did that and he was like, well, okay. She made that work. So same thing. You're going to be a coach. What? I know tons of coaches. They're full of it. I don't want you to be a coach. And here we are, you know, again, where he's like, okay, she's doing okay. Right. And my mom on the opposite side was always the free spirit. So she was always like, let her live, let her do what she wants to do. She needs to fly and figure it out. So I think they were the perfect balance for me to be able to, take risks, but also know that I was safe if I if I fell, you know, so I think they're happy for me is the long way of answering that. But I also think sometimes um, they're very they're very surprised by the things I try.
0: Now, if we're talking, let's say in five years from now, we're talking down the road. Yeah. I know you have growth and all that kind of stuff. Where would you be? Where would your company be? And let's say five years from now.
1: Five years from now, we would probably, uh, we'd definitely be well-known in in circles, like the the people to come to, to actually get the support we're looking at for cultural change. Um, we would be people, like we'd, we'd pretty much have a waiting list. And what I mean by that is people would want to be in with us and, and getting the support that we need. All of my employees and coaches would be making uh, great money and source to then be developing their own businesses as well, which is what's going to happen as we do this agency. Um, I would have kids. I would be working less. I would be giving more and more away of the company so that I can have legacy instead of the building stages that we're in now. And um, I'd probably be singing more again, honestly, but for fun, all fun.
0: (laughs) Do you think you would transition out fully in the future of any kind of coaching and strictly into the singing?
1: No, I think coaching oh. will always be with me forever. Yeah, I might, I might lean back from the larger business and just yeah. be more privatized again in in who I work with. But uh, no, nah, I think coaching is here to stay for sure. <laughs> I,
0: I know you already brought it up. I mean, once and talked about if you were, if you knew some of the stuff you knew today, how you would look at uh, singing. In the past. I mean, maybe even go back farther before you even started singing when you're uh, a younger kid. Is there any yeah. advice you might give yourself?
1: Oh yeah. I think I would say um worry less about what other people think, you know, and concentrate less on or concentrate more on what makes you happy. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that I navigated away from because they weren't they weren't the smart thing to do. You know, and I think I would I would do that more, and I, I definitely listen to to people's opinions less.
0: I think that's definitely a, definitely a balancing act of listening to people. I listen to a lot of people, and it's in the wrong direction, and I listen yeah. I listen to no one, and then, and then now it's a balancing think. act of trying to <laughs> yeah. listen to the right people. So it's, yeah. it's definitely a balancing act. Well, thank yeah. you, Elena, for for being here. Um, any last words you want to kind of throw out?
1: Um, no, I mean, just thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in the world and for having us and being such a support to all entrepreneurs everywhere.
0: Yeah, no, I, no, I appreciate that. And, and thank you again for, for being here. I mean, it's, it's, a it's a drastic road. I bet if you talked to your opera singer yourself a couple years ago about where you are today, you know, you
1: never, it off. never would have known <laughs> Laugh it exactly.
0: off. So people listening right now. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. Say Yes. Maybe not to everything, like Elena learned over time. The things but, that your
1: heart wants. Yes. Yeah. Say
0: what your what your heart wants and, and be open to the conversation. I mean, if, if you didn't at least talk to your friends, uh, I think it was two different friends or one different one friend that basically told you about coaching, you probably would never have gone down this path, found that love, and grown this kind of empire that you're uh you're exactly. building right now. Exactly. Exactly. So, thank you again. Uh everyone. Uh please subscribe, please share, and then find elena Uh, her information will be in the show notes thank you so much
1: bye
0: thank you for listening to the road to growth success of an entrepreneur please like subscribe and stay connected visit www.theenriquesgroup.com yeah i created a website hope to see you again next week the Enriquez group signing off